We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This week on The Timeline, from The Ringer's YouTube channel and The Dime Drop, Jay Kyle Mann, and we catch up with our friend Max McCauley about our over-unders. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike Hill. Sam Cooper is here with me. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. It's been fun over the past couple of days to watch some uh, actually decent NBA teams playing the playoffs <laughs> so far. Not not that you would know it from watching the Brooklyn Nets right now, but it's been fun. Yeah, this has to be new for you guys, right? Watching good basketball? <laughs> What's it been like? Yes, it is new. It is new. Joining us here is Kyle Mann. The proprietor of, I think, the best basketball channel on YouTube, The Dime oh, Drop. Kyle, how are oh, you doing? Oh, Pasha. Stop. There are <laughs> lots of good ones. Uh, I'm good. Uh, happy uh, happy to be on here with you, with you fellows. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, it is a new thing to watch playoffs. He's pretty good, but Kyle, you're no Mike Korzemba. You know, you're still got <laughs> guys on YouTube to catch up to with your analysis. Oh, Korzemba. Wow. Uh, I, I actually one time charted out cause I was curious, just new to the YouTube thing. And I was looking at like, what were the highest, I was just using keywords and seeing what the highest performing videos were. And he's at the top of like every single one <laughs> millions. If yeah. I'm always amazed at what he accomplished. I'm really complimenting him right now. I'm not, I, w- I wouldn't, I, I, there's a sort of a fraternity, I think of YouTubers, like, unless you're shitty to me and I'm not going to be shitty to you, but like. He he like can take something so minuscule and make it into like a four million <laughs> view video. And my all time high is like four hundred thousand views. So I'm I'm 
he, I could learn something from him. So yeah, yeah, he can do he can do twelve minutes on anything. Yeah, he's, he's like, <laughs> who's Le- he can turn anything? Who's into- LeBron's dad? Fifteen million views. It's like, what do you <laughs> what do you know about LeBron's dad? I'm I'm impressed. Or his co- Delonte West. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like uh, he did the uh, the Kobe. He did one that like caught my eye, and it was like an it was a two K simulation of Kobe with Charlotte, and it was really just a bunch of footage. This is going to get back to him. I know. I'm going to regret this, but it was. I, but then it, it had more views than all of my videos combined. So I was just like, well, he. he some, some people just have a good eye for. Uh, you know, I don't know. For every Morrissey out there, there's a there's a Nickelback or something. That was bad. Cut that out. <laughs> Cut that out. He just has a good. He has a good ear for pop. I think is what I would say. Like, um, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the candy. Right. He he makes he makes the best candy. That's a skill, and those people typically make the most money in life, in my experience. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're saying he's the Katy Perry of basketball YouTubers. He just has a good pop beer. I, I'm really, uh, I've always been, that's the funny thing about me is I've always been in the arena that I'm in. It's just like, uh, you know, artsy fartsy, nerdy jokes, things like that. It's like most people, we don't get him. We'll just push him to the side. Uh, you know, we're talking about bands. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think why it gets to me because it's a good combination of, Great footage, and obviously you, you can thank the NBA for that, but but also the references are right up my alley. We're probably close to the same age, so I, I'm sure that has something to do with it. But also, I think it's really good analysis. I think you do a good job of identifying skill sets and explaining how they, how they would and maybe wouldn't translate in a lot of cases as far as a lot of the videos that you do are, are college guys coming into the NBA, and I think you do a really good job at that you're, you're from kentucky right i am i am can you tell from my accent at all or can you hear <laughs> uh we did research ahead of time i'll say okay, that okay well no it's like funny because some there's some words definitely on the ringer platform i'll be like they must think i am just a hick uh because <laughs> i'll say certain words and i'll be like they literally should just be banjos playing behind me like when i say like um i said horse or something i was like he he runs like a horse i was like oh my god <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Well, the reason I ask is because do you think growing up in Kentucky is the reason that you're uh, watching these uh, college guys and, 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 you know, there's no NBA team in Kentucky and, and in Kentucky, of course, has some of the bigger, you know, Kentucky is, is where the Wildcats are. And that's the big team in Kentucky. Do you think that's what sort of got you to watching all these college guys and really trying to figure out how they translate into the NBA? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I was in in particular, I tweeted about this tonight, actually. I'm, I'm, I mean, there are NBA fans here. We used to have an ABA team here a while back. Right. And but when the merger happened, uh, the guy, our guy, I think it was his name's John Y. Brown or something. He, uh, he just cashed out. He just took the money instead of attempting to join, uh, the NBA. I'm probably getting those facts wrong, but we used to have a pro team here. And, um, but college is, is the thing. And I'm sort of, not the minority, maybe, but definitely not the majority. It's college basketball here, and uh, I think I was in a position where you know I am like a a diehard college basketball fan, but I also love the NBA. So I felt like I was in a position to, uh, you know, bring that information to a big NBA audience because even though I know a lot of the draft people now, you know, there's not as many people that sort of are way into both. So um, 
Yeah, I think that's how it happened. I mean, yeah, I grew up. I guess you guys have had a lot of Kentucky guys on. Oh yeah, on Phoenix lately. <laughs> yeah, right, rightly or wrongly. <laughs> yeah, know. it was a running joke for a long time between Bledsoe and and Brandon Knight and Archie Goodwin. I assume you're a Devin Booker guy. I feel like we got to ask. And Tyler Eulitz, don't forget him. Uh, <laughs> you assume I'm a Devin Booker guy? Yeah. Is that- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like Devin a whole lot. That, that's a whole thing to go into. But uh. did you are you surprised? Because Devin Booker is a really interesting player. I think he, first off, picking him thirteenth is like a miracle at this point because uh, you know they, they the Suns picked him after their accidentally winning forty eight game season, which could have been a disaster. Missing the playoffs there, the most wins ever for a team that missed the playoffs, and then picking Devin Booker and lucking into that because how much of a disaster these last few years would have been without picking Devin Booker. But the the scouting report on Booker was always, he's the next Clay Thompson. That was the big thing oh. with Devin Booker, talking about how he's a spot-up shooter. And, you know, he came off the bench for Kentucky. It was hard to really figure out what he is. But now he's so much different than that. Three-point shooting is actually one of his worst skills offensively so far in, in, in these short seasons that he's had. His shot creation has been much better than anyone sort of sold it as before but you probably followed him pretty closely being in Kentucky are you surprised by his development you know and and what he's become maybe more of like almost like a Ray Allen without the three-point shot or is this something that you could see coming it's pretty amazing that he hasn't shot over 40 percent from three yet I was just looking at it right that's pretty wild I mean like uh, to be honest when he was coming out one of the problems that I think even Kentucky fans have a hard time dealing with this sometimes is that we don't see these guys at their best. Like we're seeing them in a situation where they're playing with other good players, like uh, in the college setting. So maybe their role's not going to be the exact same, especially at Kentucky uh, because I don't know, back in the day, one of the alluring things for guys that might leave early was, Hey, go to a school where you'll play more, have the ball in your hand, show what you can do. Well, with Cal, Cal Perry, that is, we call, I call him Cal here. Uh, but he, he brings people in and and kind of gets them to play with other good players. So we don't always get to see them in like their most, you know, uh, projectable role at the next level. So with Booker, when he was here, I mean, he was on one of the best teams that we've ever had here at the 2015 team that probably, yeah, I mean, it's one of the great unclaimed titles in college basketball history. But uh, mm-hmm. Booker, you know, defensively, when he was at Kentucky, he was a mess. He was basically a spot-up shooter, a guy that ran off of like Iverson cuts, like you know, two two baseline screens, basically, where he would come out and take take those Clay Thompson shots. I think there is a sort of a a uh, reductive habit that people have with comparisons. someday I'm going to write something about this, and visual just sort of appearance is one of them. And I think that he just kind of <laughs> looks like Clay Thompson. He's he's lighter. He's a shooter. Um, and you know, roughly the same size. But what what I didn't mm-hmm. see coming is the fact that uh, I mean, we didn't see him as a pick and roll ball handler at Kentucky at all. So like my my projections of him were just comically off. I need to go like destroy those from the internet because I I really <laughs> didn't think that he would be. I'll be honest, he surprised me quite a bit. I mean, he was like a top thirty player in high school sort of a fringe five-star even. I don't even think he was a McDonald's All-American, but he was definitely not the jewel of the class. I think he came in with uh, Carl, Tell- Carl Towns and uh, Tyler Eulis, Trey Lyles. Um, and yeah, that foursome 
really good class. All, I mean, all mm-hmm. pretty much NBA players. I mean, Ulysses had a cup of coffee in the NBA, but uh, I was surprised. I have been very surprised to answer your question. So. I think anyone who says that they saw this coming, though, is is just straight up lying. I mean, I don't think anyone saw this coming out of Devin Booker. And you were talking about the way that he played offense at Kentucky is just not the way we've been seeing him shoot this season with the Suns. I mean, he, he's at a point where two-thirds of his shots are coming unassisted, uh, and he's playing primarily in that pick-and-roll position and just doesn't have the opportunity. If you look at his stats, he's actually a pretty good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, uh, but his pull-up three-point shooting, trying to do the stuff that guys like James Harden uh, do, he's just not that good at creating for himself like that at this stage in his career. Uh, so I don't know. Mike and I have talked about this on the podcast before, but I think there's still a path for Devin Booker to become a 40% three-point shooter. He just needs to have uh, a good point guard next to him, and that's maybe where we get into conversations about prospects like John Morant, who I know you just made a video on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and to address what you're talking about, I think some of uh, some of the the sun, you know, what happens when you don't have creation is there's this sort of I always see in my mind like this. Uh, uh, there, there's such a like. Um, a symbiotic relationship between creation and playmaking and th- and three point shooting. So sometimes, sometimes the statistics for younger players, in my opinion, can be a little misleading if you don't have a lot of creation on the roster. And I know that that's something that the Suns have struggled with lately. Um, and you know, there's a lot, a lot of gravitational pressure on Booker uh, for that reason. Uh, you know, I think it's going to get better and better. And I think that that's something that they obviously are going to be looking at in the draft. Um, which segues into to what you were asking. I mean, John ja Morant. Um, what what specifically? Do, what what? Sorry, I, I sort of uh, got away from the question there. What what were you wanting to know about John ja Morant? Oh no, I mean the the way you put it in in your video was John ja Morant. I, I think you said Phoenix, New York. Uh, there was one other team you said would be a great fit for John ja Morant. You don't take him over Chicago. I think Chicago. Yeah, that, and that makes sense. But you don't take him over Zion Williamson, number one. Does that make John Morant basically the number two guy on your board? Uh, no, that's what I've been telling people. I, I, I probably should have clarified that better in the video, but I just think that somebody, it's possible, maybe even likely, that somebody's going to take him there. Uh, in this draft, I have kind of uh, gone back and forth between, specifically for the Suns, I forget who I was talking to the other day. Maybe it was Jackson Hoy, I think. I, we were just talking about... Um, whether the Suns should go fit or they should just go best player. And in, in my opinion, you know, in a draft like this, um, I lean towards maybe just go ahead and just take the best player because I don't think that you're going to be – this isn't a draft like last year's draft or, or like a, a higher quality draft where you might legitimately be able to address concerns um, quickly, like in the top, you know, in the lottery. Um, in this draft, I don't think outside of, you know, maybe – two or three guys, and I'm not sure if Jaws one of them that could come in and address a competitive team or a team that's wanting to be competitive to address their concerns quickly. Uh, I I have some reservations about Jaws. Like, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure that he's going to be an elite player. I think he's going to be one of those, like, good but sub-elite point guards in the league, sort of in that Bledsoe, Jeff T kind of a range. Um, but... I don't know. I think he could he could work with Phoenix. Uh, I just don't think that he solves any of your defensive problems. Like right now, he's a defensive zero. Other than other than back taps and coming over for like his using his athleticism to sort of erase when he's gotten beaten, things like that. He just basically didn't play. Uh, he basically was playing on a high school team 
playing for Murray State. So, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not to insult Murray uh, in the way that I mean. The way that I mean that is, I'm saying that he was so hugely important to them. Like his use, all all the he was the main, the Grand Central Station of their offense. Totally, everything came through there through his hands. Uh, he played some off of the ball, and he can play off the ball. But uh, I think that because of his importance to them, he just would kind of pick his spots defensively. Um, I don't think that positionally on the ball, he's a great defender right now. Um, so for that reason, uh, I don't, I'm not so sure uh, if I would, I'm just, I'm really, I'm all over the place right now with job. Ja. I'm still tr- kind of trying to make up my mind, <laughs> but I don't have him number two. I, I don't think so. I think, so the Suns now can fall all the way to seven, which is, you know, part of the new draft uh, odds, the way that it works to, to try and tackle the tanking problem that existed for the, well, since I guess Tim Duncan was taken by the Spurs, but right. that means that the next point guard, the next point guard off of most people's boards is Darius Garland for the most part. And I know you're a fan of Darius Garland. Do you envision a world where Darius Garland could actually be better than John Morant? Or do you think that the uh, after the first few guys, the talent drop-off is so big that you're just kind of picking out the best possible player and maybe even focusing on fit a little bit after that. So if we do fall to seven, I think Darius Garland is, is someone that maybe the Suns look at if they plan on keeping the pick. Yeah. Uh, good research there. Where, where did you have to, where did you go back to, to find out that I was a fan of Garland? I don't remember the last time I poet <laughs> might've been <laughs> like the hoop summit video, like a year ago. Maybe I think I publicly stated that or maybe it was Twitter. I believe you. Yeah. I think you were on another Suns podcast. So we did a little research listening to that podcast <laughs> with, um, Locked on. So, oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, with Evan. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. With Evan. Right. Shout out to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy. You know, after the top, it's 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 a guessing game, man. Like, I mean, I would say that you don't want to reach for Garland. I think as high as like two through two through five, that's tough to reach for Garland. I think that if you're at seven, you could you could rationalize reaching for Garland. I guess what you got to just look at is, you know, team. Uh, how how realistic is i mean what would you guys rattle off as as phoenix's i mean rim protection is pretty abysmal from yep. from researching uh eight and um rebounding rebounding uh-huh. i mean not, and then creation yeah i hate to i mean i hate to just do the simple thing here but i mean my god zion would just be <laughs> absolutely no, perfect don't worry i know oh, we we do that every week <laughs> <laughs> do you guys just get drunk on Friday night and imagine Zion or do you like create him on 2K? Have you guys done that? Is that <laughs> not yet? Uh, yeah. That's a good idea. Okay. But it's Friday, Saturday and Sunday night for me generally. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long season. This is our first season doing this podcast and they won 19 games. <laughs> right, right. I I've compared him to the symbiote from uh from Marvel Comics. I'm just like whatever <laughs> whatever team he joins is going to become a super version. Like he just he just fills in the cracks of every like he covers so many problems, and I just think pairing him next to Aiton, like you know, because Aiton's Aiton is turning into a, a decent positional defender. It's just he's not quite an eraser, you know. I, but he's so physical and he can move his feet so well laterally. You got Zion back there uh, to sort of because because Aiton can kind of swallow people up physically because he's so big and strong which is you know you see some guys are better at getting blocked shots in that scenario i just imagine like zion coming in and cleaning up uh cleaning up the messes there he would be an amazing fit but yeah i mean i like garland garland's just a totally different player uh than jaw he's much more of a 
I compared him to now it's sort of a template type thing, but he's in the template of like a like a Kimba type, like you know, bug on a rug, like a a, a guard who is quick, but he really really shoots it well off of the dribble. Now we didn't get to see him in college at all, which really stunk. I was looking forward to that. Um, he he does some things that I like out of a guard. Like I, I really like my point guards to be able to stretch the stretch the floor a lot at the point of attack. Uh, and he yeah. he does that, and Jaw not so much. Jaw's offense is more of a pressure release. Garland is a guy who can hunt his offense capably. Um, I I really uh, in the last I mean the last good amount of tape we have of him is from FIBA, and then we have good high school tape on him. So that's really all I have to go on uh, right now. Unfortunately, to compare the two. So you mentioned DeAndre Ayton a second ago. We should talk about. The, the four rookies, essentially, who got significant playing time on this class. But we'll start with Aiden because you did a fantastic video for The Ringer uh, about a month ago, maybe a little bit more than a month ago of sort of his midseason report. Uh, as we talk about DeAndre Aiden, really the goal here for the Suns, obviously, is to build a contending team with Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden kind of as the core, as the guys. Uh, what do you see as DeAndre Aiden's ceiling right now? Is it all-star caliber? Is it maybe all-NBA caliber? And also, I want to know, do you sort of envision, because this is something that Mike and I have debated on this podcast before, is there a situation going forward where DeAndre Ayton actually ends up becoming better than uh, Devin Booker? Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, they kind of, um, I mean, Ayton, I absolutely think Ayton can be an all-star. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, whether whether or not he just sort of has a season where he, you know, bounces high enough to, to get there like more than once, that's sort of a question. I'm not for sure. Um, I definitely think that he's going to have to develop a little bit as, as a guy that can stretch the floor so that he can play and sort of, that's something I pointed out in the video was I'd like to see him develop in some areas where he can intersect more with Booker, you know, more, uh, I don't know. I, I just think as a pick and roll partner, he's been kind of awkward in, in some of the video and some of the tape that I watched on him. I absolutely think he could be an all-star. Um, when I projected him a year ago going into the draft, I mean, I thought that he could be, he could ascend as high as like maybe, yeah, it's hard to say a guy could be first team all NBA because that's like the, 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 the highest and the highest praise. But uh, I mean, second, third team, it's possible. Why not? You know? And do you think there's a scenario where he could be better than Booker? Or is that just out of the question? I mean, yeah, I, they have different types of value. I mean, he's just, he's so, so efficient. Um, it's, I, I would have to kind of sit down and look at him side by side uh, in terms of their numbers and development. But, I mean, his first year uh, has been a sneakily one of the more efficient, like, rookie center years in a long time. Um, it's if he, if he wasn't in such a great class, I mean, I think we would probably all be a lot higher on him, uh, to be honest. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's funny, first off, that uh, people have so much trouble believing there could be more than one good player from any draft. <laughs> right. I think the way that the NBA Twitter has sort of, this conversation has now just boiled down to who's the one good player from each draft, and, and that's the, what the conversation has become nowadays, which is funny because drafts like these, maybe they don't happen often. I think it's one of the most deep drafts I've, I've ever seen, and, and I think that there could be you know a lot of future... Uh, Hall of Famers potentially even maybe more than three or four or five from this singular draft if if all the players kind of pan out the way that they could. Uh, but you know I I I have trouble believing it. I was actually asked this in in a, in a blog 
recently somebody asked me that same question and you know is there a contender where uh, either Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton could be the best player and just like you kind of mentioned with Zion the ideal scenario for the Suns is that they luck into a player that's better than both of them and that's the the highest probability of them becoming a contender in the future and that's kind of why Zion is so enticing to every team that's in this draft lottery of course but I don't really know it's it's I think you're right I think the efficiency is important but I think Devin Booker's ability to create for himself if if, if DeAndre Ayton could ever create for himself at that level that would be really interesting I think his passing is something that hasn't been explored too much because there's very little shooting on the Suns as well uh, and and if he develops his passing in a way uh, that he could uh, that would be interesting we looked at some of the stats as far as his assists per game and and what he's done in his rookie year there's not a lot of centers that has have done that as far as an assist to turnover ratio at his level already so it'd be interesting to see if he can develop on that the Suns have another rookie though uh, that's everyone kind of loves in Mikhail Bridges, uh, you know, and Mikhail Bridges has done a really good job this season. It's been really interesting. He's one of those four year guys that comes into the league. He won championships in college and immediately contributed in his rookie year. Obviously a great defender. Uh, you know, his offense has been shaky at best. He's been hesitant to shoot and maybe didn't shoot as well as people expected coming into the league so far. Uh, but he seems to be advanced stats. Love him. But how have you felt about Mikhail Bridges and his first year in the league so far? Uh, I mean, echoing a lot of what you said. I mean, the shooting, he seemed to have a little trouble kind of picking his spots. First of all, I thought it was idiotic that the Sixers traded him. I could not (laughs) believe that. Could not believe that. Um, I mean, I wasn't as high on Zaire as a lot of the people, a lot of the draft community was. But uh, I, I really, yeah, I just thought... Bridges was a guy that they definitely could use, but it, and you know watching this game tonight, I think it's a little misleading. I think that he's going to he would be more valuable for them sort of going forward because uh, they, they wouldn't really need Bridges to beat Brooklyn. But you know, I I've, I've been a big fan of Bridges. I I think I made a draft video. I don't think I know I did uh, a draft video about him last year, and I think that he's just positionally really really intelligent. Um, I think that he's going to be a great catch and shoot guy in the league for a long time. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's not like a uh, an off the charts athlete, but um, I think he's a perfect guy to kind of put uh, with with Booker. I think that uh, you know, as they and, and this is the same kind of thing we were talking about before. You know, the more the more competent kind of penetration and playmaking guys that you add to the roster. Um, uh, the more good shots you get, because if if you don't get good pen- penetration and creation, nobody is going to get good shots. So you know your percentages are going to go down. You're going to get less wide open looks. It's going to limit the kind of sets you can run. You know that's kind of one of the reasons I think Josh Jackson has been uh, so. I guess he had a little bit of a surge there at the end of the season. I didn't really pay attention, mm. did he? He had like a couple games. <laughs> didn't he have like one a couple game? games? Yeah, okay. I was like, same thing happened last season. I, I don't, I don't know how sustainable that they could be with. Josh Jackson, he tends to succeed in March and early April. <laughs> well, <laughs> so and you know, and, we'll wait. Well, and two, a thing that happens here in Kentucky is like the guys who get signed to like the 10 day contracts, they'll have like a couple games and that where they play and score a little bit. And Kentucky fans will be like, oh man, he's making it in the NBA. And they'll be like, ah, not, not so <laughs> fast, not so fast. It's because this time of the right. year, it's just misleading. I mean, everybody that watches, you know, is aware of that, I think. But um, yeah, I mean, they asked me to be honest. They they asked me to make a video about Josh Jackson for, in that rookie that the leap series, 
and uh, I watched, I, I think I watched like a half of uh, of one of his games, and uh, I text uh, texted my editor, and I was like, "This guy stinks. He's terrible." <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said his his shot chart is like a wasteland. It it was mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's a total wasteland uh, about bridges. Uh, my <laughs> one of my pastimes, other than drinking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights with Mike. This season has been. You should take it easy. <laughs> Probably should take it easy. Uh, has drink been water. Thinking of Mikhail Bridges comparisons, and there's a stat that I really love, which is it's simple, but it's just the four non-point guard rookie wings to post 100 threes and 100 steals in a season. And if you just look at those guys who've gotten 100 threes and 100 steals in their rookie season, it's Donovan Mitchell, which is is kind of off. But then Mikhail Bridges, Shane Battier, and Kerry Kittles. And I Ooh, think Kerry I look at the Kittles. guy. Shane Interesting. Bat- and a guy like Kerry Kittles, too, uh, another Villanova grad, uh, in addition to Bridges. But I look at guys like Battier and Kittles, who, you know, came in as third or fourth year players, a little bit on the older side, maybe didn't see a ton of progression out of them from year to year in the way you see linear progression from guys who come in as freshmen. But they were just solid for their entire careers. They put up good numbers of rookie years, and, and then they kept it going for 10 or 15 years uh, after that. Do you see that as a sort of reasonable expectation for Mikhail Bridges for the best? Uh, for the rest of his career to be a role player in the mold of a guy like that? Or do you think there's some untapped potential that maybe we're not seeing but are going to see a couple years from now where he really blows up into a much better player? Uh, you know, I didn't get to track closely sort of the, you know, the micro of his up and down. But I know that, you know, once you get past a certain age, I don't know, man, because I, watching him, he sort of... He was he was always the guy who was the best defender on like three teams that basically were contending for a national championship. He guarded the best player pretty much every single time out. And I think that that's that that value in and of itself, like he he was just in a scheme that was going to be more translatable to the NBA. And I think that that's going to keep him and uh, keep him in a position to have value for winning basketball. I think that he's going to be uh that's going to be good enough. Now, do I know that, do I think that he's going to evolve more? And I think sort of the, sort of the knock on him or sort of the, some of the limitations on him uh, were my kind of questions about whether or not he could become more than just a catch and shoot guy um, or a guy that you could run off screens and kind of, which is, you know, also just uh, not necessarily standing still and shooting, but uh, I don't know that he's, I guess what I'm trying to get at is this is how I talk. Sorry. I talk like Stephen Wright. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I'll like circle around the drain and then go down it. But no, I, I think that he he's going to struggle to become sort of an off the bounce creator, and I think that that would stop him from being a star. Now he can yeah. he can get downhill and score, and he's a good athlete. He's long. He's uh, I I say over and over again, he's smart. Like uh, his his basketball IQ um, is good. I, I just think that he's going to maybe, I just don't know that he's ever going to be a flat out high level creator or maybe even, or, or even a high level playmaker to me, like, or, or a secondary playmaker. He struck me as an athlete that had kind of learned to play basketball. He, that's what he looked like when you would watch him. It was like, this is a guy that got, that came into college basketball as a good athlete with some good raw materials. Uh, if you watch like a guy like Scotty Lewis, that's coming in, he's going to Florida. It's similar kind of thing, really good tools. But he plays like an athlete that has been taught a little bit later. You know, he doesn't have that like Hooper gene in the same way that like Booker does. Like Booker grew up with a basketball in his hands 
in, in a different environment. And, and Bridges doesn't strike me as the same type of player, but I still think that he's going to have great value. And I'd, I think the Suns would be smart to keep him around. I really hope we do. Now, before I let you go, first off, thank you so much. This has been a really fun conversation. I hope we can have you on more in the future. Would love to. But I got to know your I got to know your thoughts on the uh, Game of Thrones episode that just came out. <laughs> Sam, you could sit this one out. I know Sam doesn't watch, but uh, and by the way, we can scold him on that if you want. But uh, Kyle, what did you Idiot. think of this episode? <laughs> uh, you know, I sat there last night. Um, we had a situation where my internet is famously sucky, but we were having the uh, the party at our place. So I was like, you know, just pacing around all night, worried about that moment where those three dots <laughs> show up and it's like loading. So I just had constant anxiety about that. I was like, please God. Uh, it did it like the whole episode. I, everybody at the, everybody at the party was like, uh, you know, I swear it's HBO. It's not your fault, but I just felt like shit about that. But <laughs> I, I just sat there and drank my Game of Thrones beer and watched the first episode. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like I was telling my wife this Game of last season. This was true too. I feel like Game of Thrones is a little self aware to the point. I don't mm. feel like it was that w- that way in some of the earlier seasons, and uh, the exposition has just been so rushed at times that uh, it's it's lost some of the. Uh, quality that it had and it's sort of slow moving stillness you know things took a little longer to evolve and now we've got Varys going like thousands of miles (laughs) in like a day you know like a teleporter yeah like you can't do that with modern travel today like much less back then with boats uh does he have a harrier jet seriously Uh, so i don't know there was a lot of like it was fine that's what i would say last season i thought the the writing was just kind of whatever and i just enjoy going to the world so i'm not yeah. i'm not busting their balls over it but i don't know did you did you like it i liked it i thought it was fine but i think it's a funny show where the conversation between daenerys and sam is more interesting than sam or than uh, john writing a dragon oh right <laughs> yeah, it's a funny it's it's a funny show where where what should be the most exciting thing just reminded me of falcor <laughs> right and just the never ending story <laughs> and what at, what was the best part was a grown man sobbing in a dark library <laughs> <laughs> And which, that's just kind of the which, show it is. Which I'm sure George Martin did a lot growing up, right? <laughs> yeah, that's this, that's his guy. That's his avatar right. on the show is Sam. But uh, I won't bore everyone who doesn't watch with more talk about that. I just want to say, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, don't forget to subscribe to the best basketball channel on YouTube, the best NBA channel. If you want to know about this draft especially, you know, this is an interesting draft. The Suns, of course, have to pay a lot. All Suns fans have to pay a lot of attention to the draft, so it's a good channel. The Dime Drop on YouTube, at Man with two N's on Twitter, so make sure to follow him on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. Man, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks. Don't forget to stick around. Coming up, Max McCauley from the 7 Seconds or Less podcast to cover our over-unders from before the season. You know, I've told trust in you know, our front office, um, everybody making the decisions um, that we're going to be in, in good shape come next year. I'm very happy. Um, and I think, I think the true fans know that um, and know how much I care about this city um, and how bad I want to win here. And we've made those, like I said, those bright spots have been very bright for us. 
and the young core that we have moving forward, I'm very excited to be a part of. Okay, this is something I've been pretty excited to do. At the beginning of the year, well before even the uh, DeAnthony Melton, Ryan Anderson trade, uh, we had Max McCulley on from the 7 Seconds or Less podcast to do some made-up over-unders that Sam and I worked on. And we've been tracking them throughout the season, and I'm excited to go over the results. Now we can see who won the bragging rights. Max, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to hear about how I did on my Marquise, Chris, and Bernie Knight predictions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to find out. Let's just get right into it because there's actually quite a few of them here. Um, this is the funniest one. We have to start with this one. We'll go in the order that we went in last time. The wins total. So we put our over-under for wins at 28.5, and all three of us went over. <laughs> mm. Nope. <laughs> so we were all wrong on that one. Um, but, you know, that's just kind of what it was. I, I don't think that I would have predicted 19 wins, so that was a little bit disappointing. But, I mean, I guess it's not surprising that we didn't go over 28.5. I think we all picked that one trying to be optimistic, right? Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, I don't think they would have gotten to 29 with health, but this team also suffered some really, really bad injuries, especially towards the end of the year, but also Booker missed a lot of time. Like, I'm not saying they should have won 30 games or anything, but I think 19 may have been underperforming. I think there definitely was a path to 30 games if absolutely everything goes right. But at any given time this season, we really only had like four or five actual NBA players at most in the lineup like the only nba players on this team are devin booker deandre ayton mikhail bridges uh rashawn holmes and then i think like tj warren kelly Oubre. but you only had one of those guys healthy at at any point in the season so yeah i mean it, it's no surprise that we finished where we did do yeah. i get any points for being like i think i thought we were going to win 30 games and not 35 but that's still technically over <laughs> i don't know i i was probably just too optimistic at the way you no. slice it this is we're Vegas rules here. You, if you if you missed it, you, if missed, you missed it. it you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> and we all missed it. Um, so yeah, I think maybe there's a path to it. If we had Kelly Oubre and Tyler Johnson for the whole season, I think that would have been more of a fair prediction. But I think Max, you're right. I think the injuries were a major factor, and uh, I don't think it was hard to predict that that Trevor Reza would just be god awful, and also that uh, you know, although we didn't have Ryan Anderson at the time, even after that, I think it's hard to predict that he just forgot how to shoot entirely forgot how to shoot, uh, which is a bizarre thing, but man, even you, even you mentioning those guys, Ryan Anderson and Trevor Reza, it was a long season, wasn't it? Yes. It feels like that was like three seasons ago. It really does. It feels like a hundred years ago that the season even began. Uh, and some of these you'll see when we go through these, they'll <laughs> sound like archaic uh, options here. The next one was the one I was actually the most excited to track throughout the season. Interestingly, it was Dragon Bender Dunks. And we went through exactly how, he ha how much he had previously. I think the most he had in a season was 11 or something like that previous to this season. We set it at 14.5, which I thought was a good number at the time. And it ended up being a very good number. Uh, me and Sam went under. Max, you went over. And it came through at 14, just barely oh, under. <laughs> <laughs> this is all Igor's fault, man. He should have started playing Bender earlier. I would have won this easily, man. Ugh. If this was a if this was a dunk per minute type stat, like Bender was aggressive yeah. uh, this season. He just yeah. needed the playing time and he would have won, Max. 
Yeah, he didn't play much compared to the previous two seasons. He had a lot less playtime this year. Uh, you know, I think 690 minutes or something like that. And and previously he had like over a thousand in, in last season. So he played a lot less. And I think you're right, Max. You can send him the bill. <laughs> <laughs> On a serious point, though, I mean, I know we're having fun here, but Dragon Vinder really did start to show something as an NBA player. And it just made me feel happy. I felt yeah. so bad for that kid. He seemed like he was so sad on this team, and it just it isn't working out for him at all with his NBA career. And it kind of feels like he's gonna be a real NBA player now. And even if he never you know pans out to be the fourth pick, nice to see him actually you know show he can be an, a role player in the NBA. I just think it's weird that he can either dunk or shoot, and he can't do both. <laughs> <laughs> now, one thing I will say, maybe I'm reading into this too much, but not only did he seem like he was doing a lot better towards the end of the season, or he just was doing better. But he also seemed happier, and maybe I'm just reading into body language a little too much and, and Instagram and Twitter posts, but he seemed like he started to enjoy life a little bit more. And of course, when you're more successful individually, it's easier to enjoy life, but maybe that's a sign for things to come if we do end up signing him as like that backup power forward, maybe spot up spot center minutes as well. Uh, we'll see. Max, are you on board with re-signing Dragon Bender if we can get him for cheap? I am, yeah. I I mean, so it's interesting, right? Because I kind of feel like most players in his position wouldn't want to come back because we declined his option mm-hmm. as sort of an insult. Mm-hmm. But he also really credited Igor with uh, sort of part of his development this season and also has said a couple of times that he understands why we declined his option. Again, Bender's always one of those guys who seems like he's almost too smart for his own good and like realized he wasn't a very good player. I think Kellen Olsen's made this point before, like... He, he kind of is. He suffered from like knowing he wasn't as good as the other players and deferring too much, and, and so I think that he, if anybody, is the one player who will understand why we declined his option and maybe actually be willing to come back. Right, I agree with that. I, I kind of hope we get to keep him just because I feel invested in his future now, and and that's a mistake a lot of times yeah. for teams <laughs> to do. <laughs> but now that's just how I feel. I am a fan. Ultimately, I'm not in charge of this team, so I just feel invested. Uh, here's a funny one: Marquise Chris. <laughs> First of all, funny already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Marquise Chris, technical fouls over under 10. Um, Max and I said under. Sam said over. And he only had two. So I still tracked it, even though he's not on the Suns. I still wanted to track these guys and what they did. He only had two. And I think a lot of that <laughs> is a minutes thing, just like Dragon Bender here. Uh, but maybe he's just uh, maybe he's just not as mad that he's not succeeding no. anymore. <laughs> No, had they found the minutes for him, he would have gotten over 10 and I would have won this one. It's just they finally realized that Marquise Chris is not an NBA level talent. He also probably should have gotten thrown out of that game where he got in the fight with, uh, God, I'm blanking. Who did he get in the fight with? Oh, it was Serge Ibaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He probably deserved to get thrown out of that game. So you can throw another one on yeah, there. It's still way, way under, surprisingly. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Because of the way the conversation went on the podcast, from my memory, I didn't actually go back and listen to it. I probably should have. But this was Troy Daniels' games played for the Suns, Mm. and we set it at 56.5. We all chose under, and he played for the team the whole year, but we were all still correct. He only played 51 games this season. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's a fascinating one because I think... Not only were all of us wrong, Igor is wrong. Right. He should have played a lot more. I think the logic there was that we might have found, like, either bought him out towards the end of the season. Like, he would have been part of a regular rotation, but then would have been bought out or traded for a second-round pick at the deadline or something. And then we just kept him and, mm. and sort of played him every other game. It was a weird, 
weird season for Troy Daniels. He's another guy that I'd like to keep around, quite honestly, but it's just, I don't, I don't know if the money is, is really there. He's also someone who, uh, there's no way he comes yeah. back, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would be so pissed if I were him. Yeah, I think he's yeah, on the no Warriors way next year, <laughs> honestly. I think there's a yeah. chance he's on a playoff team like that where he just, I mean, why not? I mean, he's probably not going to make Daniel a ton of money. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be Daniel House. He's probably not going to make a ton of money, and he, and he might as well come off the bench for a playoff team where they need some extra shooting and he'll be wide open when he plays next to stars. I mean, his, his value is it skyrockets even more when he's wide open. And I think he's probably just going to pick a good team. He'll have his choice of good teams if he's a bench guy. So I I think you're right, Max, there's no way. Next one, TJ Warren games started for the Suns at 41. And this was another one where we talked about the potential of trading him. Uh, Sam and I took the over Max to, took the under and Max you got that one he only started 36 games for the team <laughs> I, it's hard to have a victory parade on that one because he just you know got, had another one of those mysterious injuries that he seems to have every single year but man I love this exercise you gotta do this every single year because it's really showing us like the unintended thoughts of what we're having on is it really yeah <laughs> it's really odd because these numbers we just kind of I pulled them out of my ass but uh, the the way that we thought that we were going to get honest. to a lot of these numbers uh, is not the way that we actually got to them because we talked a lot. And no. for the next one is another good example. TJ Warren games played for the Suns. So similar, but this is a total number of games played. Uh, 56.5. I went under both you went over and he only played 43 for the season. And, and this is because we thought I only picked the under because I thought there was a high chance that he would be traded. And maybe if he was healthy, that still could have happened. Although by that point there was clear tanking happening. Uh, so maybe not, but you know, it, instead it was an injury that he ended up not playing those games. And I think 43, that's such a low amount of games. I really expected him to play more. It's disappointing. I, I, it seems like every time he's improved, you know, he was shooting 40% in the season that he had the mysterious head injury that took him out for half the season in the past. He was shooting 46% from three in this season, and then he had another injury that took him out. It's like his improvements keep getting halted by these injuries. It's, it's really unfortunate for his career, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed to be right about that one as well, just like you, Max. Yeah, it's kind of a theme here. Yep. <laughs> I, I really think with TJ, it's like, it seems so unlikely that both TJ and Ubre are brought back, but on the off chance that it happens, we're going to be thrust right into that conversation again, right? It's going to be all about bring TJ Warren off the bench. You know, he's better as a six man. How many games is he going to start? It's the same exact conversation that we'll be having in August. Uh, it's just right now, it seems so much more likely that he's going to be sort of on the chopping block for salary cap purposes. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think that TJ Warren is like the least likely major piece of this team to be on the team next season? It just feels like they're going to have to get rid of him somehow, even if it's just dumping him into cap space. And that's, I think, the most likely scenario, because what is a value of a guy who can't stay healthy, even though he's improved so much on his shooting so far? If they do end up trading him, I think that the likelihood is that it would be for cap space because he's not at exactly a high point as far as value, even though he's been playing so well, if you can only count on him for 40 games a season. How much are you willing to trade for him if you're another team? So I think you're right about that, Max. Igor Kokoshkov, Coach of the Year. This was the next one. This was a, <laughs> this was a, no, this was a novelty one because we set the over-under of votes at one. And the question was, how optimistic were you about the Suns this season, essentially? We were measuring our optimism. Funny enough, we all went under. <laughs> And uh, we're we're not so bad. I mean, we picked the over on wins, but at least we're not lunatics. Yeah. yeah, and I think that we 
this has not happened yet. Obviously, we don't know the votes, but I think that he's not getting a vote. So I'm going to say we're all right on that one. How about that? It'd be hard to see him getting a vote unless uh, David Nash has a vote. I don't think, <laughs> so. I think we're safe on the under. Uh, here's a funny one. Dragon Bender three point percentage, thirty eight point five percent. We we were very optimistic oh, on this Jesus. one. I and picked the over on so, this. This so is did the I. only one I remember. So I didn't I didn't look up these. You told me not to look these up before we did this segment. So you know, I, I have no idea what's going on. But this one I remember I picked the over, and that is fucking pathetic because well, of how flat Dragon Bender's three point <laughs> shot is. I don't know how I thought he was going to shoot forty percent. Yes, Max was the only one that picked the under, and he was way right on that one. And I remember the conversation going, "I don't want to, I don't want to root for the under on this one." I, I remember that one, so I, I wanted to root for the over. And I, and you know what? That was his only real skill, right? Last season, he he shot pretty well. It was like thirty six, almost thirty seven percent, I believe. So we were we were counting on a slight improvement. And, uh, you know, like I said, he just seems to not be able to do uh, either one. He can either shoot or he can either dunk, and he's not going to do both. So that might be his future there. I hope he can get that back if he does come back. You know, I just don't – what I worry about, he's, he ends up on the Spurs next season, and he can all of a sudden do both, and, and he really puts his passing together all at once, and that would be tragic to watch. But, Max, you were right on that one, so good work. It would uh, be tragic to watch. It also seems kind of right. inevitable. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to take any credit for this. I'm sure when I said under, I meant, like, slightly under or, like, you know, in the 30s somewhere. Not What, what he finished with, like, 22%? 21. Really, really 21%. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's really not yeah. good. Um, and then and Josh Jackson was great. So, you know what? We don't know anything, guys. <laughs> well, Sam, you can, you can celebrate this one because it was TJ Warren's three-point percentage, and you're the only one that went over, and we set it at 28.5. And he absolutely yes. smashed that one. Over Jeez. 20% higher. He ended the season, his 43 games of it, at 48.6. So good work on that one, Sam. <laughs> yeah, at least I get a thrown one bone today. I think when I was going for that, though, I was probably thinking like 31%, not, you know, 40 yeah. or 44 I mean, who would have predicted or whatever. That? Yeah. If you would have told me he shot 48% from three, I would have thought he played like three games. <laughs> <laughs> you would have picked the under on the games on that one. Uh, yep. So Aiton, this is our first rookie one. Aiton points per game. We set it at a low amount now that I look back at it at 13.5. And I still went under because I just didn't think there was a way for a point guard to get him the ball. I was right about that, but I was wrong about his points. Sam and Max, you both went over and he ended the season with 16.3. Somehow creating all those shots without a point guard. Funny enough, I, on later one, I still went over on Booker assists and I still went under on these points. So that was probably a mistake on that end. <laughs> but good work, Sam. Good work, Max. What's crazy to me about this one, I think 13 and a half is like exactly what Amari Stoudemire averaged his rookie year when he run one rookie of the year. And Aiton's at 16 and 10. I mean, it's just testament to how strong this class was. That Aiton is at 16 and 10 on 60% true shooting, something that's never been done before by a big man and he's not in the conversation which he shouldn't be but that's just crazy to me i mean i think 13 and a half and like eight is what amari put up back in 2002 it's gotta be and i haven't researched this yet but it's gotta be the best top five uh draft class performance in a first rookie year of all time every yeah. single guy exceeded expectations it's really nuts and uh i, I somebody on twitter i can't remember who it was uh, ranked all the players and had an eight and fourth and apologized to me because it was in the context of a conversation. I was like, there's really no reason to apologize for anything. Like, any order you have these five guys on isn't going to upset me. Like, these five guys are all <laughs> awesome, and I think there's a lot of outcomes where they could all be the best player or the fifth best player. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that it's not an insult to be fourth in this draft, whereas it could be in a lot of previous drafts, and that's not really it here. We had another rookie, Mikhail Bridges. This one's hilarious in hindsight. Um, we put his over-under of starting games at 9.5, and me and Sam <laughs> still went under. We still <laughs> went under. Guess All how many us? games he started, and any guesses how many he started this year? No, Max went over. 80? A lot more than that. <laughs> he started probably, what, like 35 games? 56 games Whoa. started for Mikhail Bridges. Wow. Well, that was... Uh, wow. Well, the, <laughs> part of it, though, is all the injuries and stuff we didn't foresee. Yes. But also, he was also really good. I think he was better than a lot of us thought he was going to be. Yeah, I thought um, I thought he would come along a little bit slower. Uh, but I think it should have been more obvious, you know, a uh, 22-year-old coming out of the draft on a team with not a lot of great players. But we also had Trevor Reza mm-hmm. at the time. So the assumption was that he wouldn't be starting with Trevor Reza, right? We had that in mind when we did this. So that didn't happen. He only played a few games. Here's a funny one that has a surprising ending here. Elia Kobo, <laughs> minutes per game, 16.7. And we all went under. And he averaged... 18.5 minutes per game. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That, I, is, when, that is the fakest number ever. 18.5 garbage time minutes per game, I think you mean. <laughs> when I started doing this one, I, I started marking that we all got that one right. And then I looked it up to, to be safe. And I was like, I couldn't believe it was 18. I thought for sure it'd be like 13, 14 minutes. But, you know, I didn't. All A lot of those 18.5 minutes, I was only half paying attention to. So I guess I don't remember them <laughs> because they weren't that fun to watch. But yes, it's a fake number. But, you know, this is Vegas rules. So none of us got that one right. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Ayton rebounds per game, 9.5. Uh, Max, you and I went over. Sam, you went under and he ended it with 10.3. How dare you, Sam? <laughs> Explain Why yourself. Why do you hate DeAndre Ayton? <laughs> I I have no explanation. <laughs> do you hate fun? You don't want to root I, for fun. I, I do. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so evidently I I hate fun. <laughs> well, well you, here's you, a, you need to start doing that, man. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. Here's one to uh, to redeem you as far as your Ayton takes. Here we had Ayton Rookie of the Year first place votes, and this is tied to our conversation about how good this draft class was. We put it at half, basically. Could he get more than half of the votes? Uh, Sam, you and I both went over. He's clearly not going to get more than half. So, clearly, clearly what we've learned is that I do like DeAndre Aiden. I'm just stupid and (laughs) missed both of those. (laughs) This is back when I was a communist for supporting Luka Doncic, but now, now it's everybody supports Luka Doncic. It's not cool anymore. But yeah, back then I was a communist. Yeah, what a stupid time. <laughs> like the idea of not enjoying Luka Doncic is a funny idea to me because even if, you know, he's just fun to watch. He's just a, he's a giant Steve Nash. Like just have fun with it. <laughs> I do think we're getting closer to the point where we can all enjoy these guys cuz we know they're all good. It's it's easier when they're all good that we can all enjoy them, but there obviously is still some nerd Twitter, draft Twitter element that does not like DeAndre Ayton. But we're, we're trying to convince them. They're they're going to learn soon enough. Well, now that Zach Lowe is like very publicly defending Devin Booker mm-hmm. and DeAndre Ayton, then nerd Twitter can't turn on him because he's their king. <laughs> he's the best, man. I love Zach Lowe. He, oh, he's the, he really... on How good he is at, at covering all team, all 30 teams is remarkable. I don't know how he does it. Like he, He's a hard worker. Um, all right. This is a funny one. Brandon Knight, games started for the Phoenix Suns. Stop. We set it at... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say this. We set it at 41. Oh my and, God. 
And Sam, you and Max both went over. Jesus. Oh my God. So I don't think went over, did it? Did it go Fuck. over? No. Are we keeping a tally here? Or do we are, do we have the final count? I'm keeping tally. I'm going to wait till the end to tell you the tally. Yeah, yeah. Wait till the end. But Jesus Christ. I said before the podcast started that maybe we should uh, substitute Jamal Crawford in. For uh, for Brandon Knight for the purposes of this, but yeah. I don't think Jamal Crawford started any games. So I don't think that was no. Uh, no, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he did. How many four point plays? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Josh Jackson field goal percentage forty four percent. Sam, you and Max once again both went over. Uh, I went under, and he hit the under forty one point three percent. I appreciate your guys' optimism on this one, though. I, explain yourselves, both of you. How, what did you think was going to happen? Well, I didn't expect Josh Jackson to shoot 40% on transition layups, for one. <laughs> because if you, if you think about it, the three-point shooting kind of came along. Like, he kind of finished as a decent three-point shooter. So if he would just finish better than the 10th percentile as, an ice, uh, as a transition scorer, then I think I would have gotten this one. Same with Max. Max, in your defense, you did say that you wanted to root for him to do better. So I think that's why you chose that one. Oh, God. I, there's no defense to what I did there. I, there was a time in March, I think, when his three-point percentage was competing with his at-the-rim percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, he's just – he's so bad, guys. I know people <laughs> want to like him because he's the fourth pick, and you know, I guess he is a fiery personality. But I have literally never seen a worse offensive decision maker in my entire life. He, he chooses every wrong decision. If, if it choose your own adventure book, every single choice he made would result in his death in the book. He is the worst decision maker I've ever seen in my entire life. So I have a theory. If we just change all of his calendars to, say, March in every month through the year, maybe he'll play really well. <laughs> it would probably help. He's, it, I, the sad thing is he wasn't even really that good in March this year. But definitely relative to the rest of his season, he was. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only time that we can have any hope, and that's what we survive off of. We are Suns fans. Hope is our, it's like a drug. It's like our cocaine. It's all we got. <laughs> we need it. This one I actually went back and had to listen to to clarify how we worded it. This is Tyson Chandler games played, and we did not say for the Suns. Some of these we did say for the Suns. So uh, we talked about how he uh, sat out a lot of games in the last few seasons because we were clearly tanking, and uh, we set it at 53.5. I went over. Sam, you and Max went under. Uh, and he ended with 55, so a very slight wow. over and a very close number. So Nice number you one. pulled out of your ass there. Yeah. It's a really nice win. Uh, all I have to remember on Tyson Chandler is when he uh, was uh, released and signed by the Lakers, and all the Lakers fans celebrated and told us how stupid <laughs> we were, and how James Jones was doing this huge favor for LeBron James. Jesus Christ, guys. Tyson Chandler's been washed for like three or four years. Yeah, that was a favor to Tyson Chandler. That's, that's yes, literally all. Yes. And that's okay to do. He spent a lot of time. He basically was in jail here in the Suns. It's okay <laughs> to do a favor for a guy that we basically put in prison for a few years. Uh, so let him go. All right, here's a fun one. And uh, it's Devin Booker's high-scoring game for the season. We set it at 46.5, which is a high number. And he, he smashed that one. And he went over. I was the only one that went under. So Max, you and Sam both got that one right. So good work for both of you and shame on me for ever doubting that he would get below that it, it doesn't matter here because all the uh high scoring games were losses anyway i mean if he had <laughs> scored 25 but with 15 assists and a win then and then that's what really matters though <laughs> nothing that ever happens in a loss has ever mattered that michael jordan legendary boston uh in the garden 69 point loss doesn't doesn't count <laughs> even though larry bird called him jesus or whatever he called him doesn't count <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were right until the end of the season, Mike. 
Yeah. I mean, it was a close. My theory was that he would have more help. I was wrong about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Devin Booker, this is Sam where you, you're going you're gonna to have to crawl into a corner on the next few of these. Uh, <laughs> Devin Booker points per game. This is a fascinating number. 26.5. Both me and Max picked over. Sam, you picked under. And he hit at 26.6. Wow. <laughs> well, I think, Mike, I think was- the real story of this is your, uh, is your line setting ability. <laughs> yeah, be. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only consistent trend I'm getting here. I think I was thinking exactly what you were thinking. Is that he? Well, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking here. Honestly, I think he had <laughs> he, would have, he would have more help, so therefore he would yeah. score less and assist more. Maybe that's what well, I was thinking. He did assist more, and you did not think that, Sam, because <laughs> we we put the over and under for the assists at six, and both Max and I went over, and Sam, you went under, and he hit the over at six point eight. <laughs> All right, man. I don't know what to tell you at this point. Is it Sam Cooper or Sam Gulliver? (laughs) (laughs) All right, last one, and then I'll give you the totals. This was Devin Booker starts at point guard, and we put the over-under at one. I was the only one that picked over. I don't know how many times he started at point guard because I stopped counting after it was two because that's when I won. <laughs> but I know that he started more than one game. Uh, there was one game that Troy Daniels started with him. There was another one that Mikhail Bridges and Josh Jackson started with him in, in the backcourt. So he started more than one there. That is a, it's a tragic one that that had to happen, to be honest. Now that, now that we've seen uh, how it dramatically affects his three-point shot and how much he needs a, a playmaker next to him, uh, I'm not super proud that I won that one, but <laughs> I did, and I hope that that does not continue in the future unless it's an absolute necessity because of injuries. I will say, I remember my logic on that one was that Devin Booker wouldn't start at point guard, but he would close at point guard. And uh, that yeah. happened in the first game, and they won the game. And that, that was a high point of my season for a lot of reasons, uh, <laughs> mostly because I just wanted to win this, uh, this uh, over-under challenge. <laughs> but uh, it didn't end up handing out, so there you go. Well, Max, I have good news for you. You did win. <laughs> and first, I have to say, how dare you come on our podcast and beat us both like this? <laughs> but you ended with 13 correct, which is a really good number, considering I think there was only like 18 or 19 in, in here total. So a really good number if you did. So, so put your money on it next year. Uh, go to I, Vegas, make some bets. I, I had 12, so I was slightly underneath you here. And Sam, do you want to know how many you had? No. <laughs> You had six, correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sam, you are the Phoenix Suns of this challenge. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, I just want to say I'm not afraid to admit that I'm wrong a lot. You know, that that's that's what this is all about, right? You know, we can just oh, say yes. whatever we want without any accountability. If there's anything <laughs> I take from this challenge, it, well, it's two things. This was a shit show of a season. That's the first thing. Most of these were comically awful. Like even even when you guys got it right, it was for the wrong reasons, sort of. Right. Uh, and then and then the second thing is, anyone listening to this, if you want to hear uh, an intelligent analyst who's actually going to make the right predictions, go and listen to Max and David at the Seven Seconds or Less podcast. Start disregarding anything that comes out of my mouth because clearly <laughs> it's not great. Well, that was very nice, Sam. But I think you got you do a lot better when you're not talking about uh, Brandon Knight and uh, Ryan Anderson. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think you generally do better when you're predicting players for actually playing. 
predicting is not our game here. We're fans after all. <laughs> Max, you want to come back and do this again next season? Let's just make this a tradition. I'll jump on whenever you guys want me, man. I always have a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's been very fun. Thank you once again. Don't forget uh, to listen to the 7 Seconds or Less podcast. Uh, Max is fantastic with David Nash, his partner that we made a joke about earlier in this podcast. And, of course, follow Max on Twitter. Max, what's your Twitter handle again? It's MaxMCC11. And before I let you keep going, uh, Sam, we got to get you on the podcast soon. We haven't had many guests lately. We haven't had many podcasts lately. We've been busy, but soon we're going to have you on. Awesome. Love to hear it. Everyone, thank you again for listening, of course. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, listen to our podcast, and follow us on Twitter. I be the worst courtside reporter. So Dwight Howard, how do you feel like your 12 missed free throws affect the people that bet the over? You just wrapped up another episode of The Timeline. I love this podcast. And if you're like me, you want as much Suns content as possible. That's why I listen to The Timeline every week. So if you want to go ahead and hear some more Phoenix Suns content, go ahead and listen to The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. We are available on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, go ahead and check out The Solar Panel, a Phoenix Suns show. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.